folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Final score of this one, 99-95. Probably a little bit closer than it needed to be, but the Nuggets get the win. Uh, they've had close wins against the Thunder in the past, and nobody really cares. Like Sometimes this just happens. The Thunder... They are a good basketball team, or at least not not a good one, but they're a professional basketball team, which is more than I can say about the Houston Rockets. But uh, the Nuggets win. They also made a bunch of moves earlier today that I will discuss briefly in the third segment, but I'm going to spend a little bit more dedicated time on those moves uh, in tomorrow's podcast when, when, I, when I record tomorrow night. Uh, the Nuggets traded Bull Bull. They plan on signing DeMarcus Cousins. There's some other things that we have to get to as well. So I will go over those. Don't worry. If you want to fast forward through this game, that's okay. Uh, I will talk about those in the third segment, though. So for now, let's talk about what happened on the courts. Uh, The Nuggets in the first half, they went out and got a really strong performance uh, from the starters, at least initially. They were hitting threes. They played elite defense, playing with pace. They're up by 19 to 4 or so in in the first quarter. They blitzed the Thunder so fast that it was so it was it was not surprising that the Thunder ultimately wormed their way back in, but those are the the times where you really start to show the talent gap between these two teams. And then you see the Thunder kind of work their way back into it because they they know how to play, and the Nuggets kind of dissolve into a puddle of goo. But I think you can start to see the foundation of what happens when Denver has all of their guys back, when they're playing fast, when they're playing with pace, when they're playing with confidence. And you you saw them hitting threes. You saw them playing elite defense. Jokic, his interior dominance, he also hit a three in that first quarter. Uh, Barton was playing excellent basketball in the first quarter. Morris was hitting shots. There was a lot to really like. And I don't want to sit back and, and really complain too much about this game and, and how it finished. Uh, I will do that because that's what I have to do. And that's that's where this team kind of puts you in that position, especially in the second half. But uh, Denver, they scored 36 points in the first quarter, and they were a plus 13 in the first quarter, winning at 36 to 23. It's a good combination of elite offense and solid defense. And when you do that against a team in Oklahoma City that doesn't have a ton of firepower, that makes it much better. Much, much better. Um, The bench was basically even to end the first quarter as well. So not a a ton to report there. There were some good moments in that first quarter. Uh, I think Zeke Naji recovered uh, an offensive rebound, if I'm not mistaken, and like Denver just kind of held serve with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they were able to get a lot of break time for their starters, who they they did their job in that first quarter, where you get out to a plus 13, all you want to do is have your bench kind of hold hold water for a while, and then when you come back out on the court, you, you blitz them again and do a lot of the same things. And that basically was the formula of the first half with some things kind of in between that I thought, nah, it was a little bit of weird stuff from um, Aaron Gordon at times, a little bit of weird stuff from Nikola Jokic. Uh, but Denver overall was able to push this lead out pretty far. 
And the bench, they do get some credit for this too, because while at times we've seen the bench give up leads entirely, them basically holding it even through the first quarter and then only being about minus five in over five minutes of time, that's fine. That's that's fairly reasonable in my opinion, that over what it, what was basically an eight to nine minute stretch, Denver with an all bench lineup was a minus five. That's fine. The Nugget starters, they have to be better about really taking advantage of that that extra rest. And I, I don't think that they did that to the degree that they could have to the end of the second quarter, uh, and especially to the start of the third quarter that we'll talk about in the next segment. But off the bench, uh, Bones Highland had a really tough day, really, really tough. He played nine minutes, uh, 0 of 5, 0 of 3 from 3, did grab an offensive rebound, but turned the ball over. Was not good when defending Shea Gilgis Alexander, when defending some of the other uh, OKC Thunder players like uh, Terrence Mann, not Terrence Mann, uh, Trey Mann, excuse me, um, and uh, Kenrich Williams as well. So there was a lot to process with that second unit. Like I thought the Faku had a pretty decent first half, but the real guy that impressed, in my opinion, was Austin Rivers, who saved a lot of. Uh, a lot of what Denver had to do in that second quarter. Uh, the offense wasn't really going much of anywhere. Austin Rivers and and Jeff Green, to a degree, were the guys that really saved Denver's bacon in that first half by making it a lot better than what it could have been. Where they were hitting outside shots. Austin Rivers hit four threes in the first half and was basically, I think, five of six from the field. Doing a lot of great things, including had a had a nice isolation drive, uh, a wrong-footed layup, if you will, which was pretty competent. It was pretty pretty quality stuff. And hadn't seen Austin Rivers hit a lot of threes. I think somebody added me uh, that I retweeted and said, Austin Rivers was one of 17 in his previous four games from three. Tonight he goes six of nine, because that's just how basketball is. And now over the course of those five games, he's 7 of 26, which is much more respectable than 1 of 17, where it was just he couldn't throw a pee in the ocean for a while, but finally figured some things out. And that was that was great to see for sure. There was not a lot of middle pick and roll with Faku and Jeff Green in the first half. I thought that that was something that stood out, that despite the the success that Denver had against Sacramento, where they were they were playing a little bit more of an aggressive defense, Sacramento was, and the pocket pass was open a lot of the time. That's how Faku and Jeff Green connected on so many plays. Tonight, it wasn't as open. Tonight, Denver, uh, well, with, with OKC playing drop coverage, they weren't necessarily allowing that pocket pass. Uh, they were they were kind of sitting on it. They were going to force uh, Faku to drive. They were going to force him into some tougher shots that he obviously wasn't willing to take. And Denver still kind of made do in that first half, but it wasn't perfect. And I think in the second half, we're going to talk a little bit more about how that kind of fell apart. Starters come back in, though, and they work the lead back up to 12. This is what you're supposed to do. As a as a starting unit, the opposing team gets it down to about seven or eight, and then you work it back up to double digits going into halftime. And there's some nice chemistry during this play or during this uh, stretch between Jokic and Jamichael Green. Uh, Jamichael Green working the baseline for some dunks, 
Jokic consistently finding him. I do think that there are some questions about that particular configuration where Jamichael Green is playing the four, Aaron Gordon's playing the three. If you have Jamal Murray, maybe it's a little bit easier, but uh, there, there's not as many driving lanes for Nikola Jokic as there usually are, and he, he was met with a lot of bodies in the paint today, and it's one of the reasons why his efficiency was down, but in that first half at least, uh, some really good chemistry between him and, and uh, Jamichael Green. I think there was also one in the third quarter, but I, I, I could be wrong about that, but they combined for some really fun plays. And having an easy outlet where Jamichael Green goes three of three, pretty sure it was uh, three dunks, if I'm not mistaken, and he's a plus six on the night, that's good enough. That is pretty good. Uh, didn't get as many rebounds as he usually does, but a lot of those just bounced to Jokic this time around. I'd like to see Jamichael Green be a little bit more active on the glass, especially when you're going up against like Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Derek Favors on the interior. You want to you wanna really attack that glass on the offensive end just as much as the defensive end. Only one offensive rebound for Jamichael Green. I, I don't think that's enough. But either way, Denver ultimately won this game by dominating the glass. 53 rebounds to 41 for OKC. That's a plus 12 margin. Uh, Despite the fact that they missed more shots than the Thunder did, uh, Denver got 18 offensive rebounds, led by eight from Jokic. And you like to see that because there are times, and especially against OKC, the last time I'm pretty sure, where Jokic didn't really make his presence felt in the paint. Uh, This time around, he did. And by doing so, I think Denver won this game, despite the fact that they could have lost it at the end. So Denver goes into the first half up 61 to 49, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 61-49. They're up 12. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the second half, how it fell apart, how Denver was able to maintain their lead. And we will talk about it when we come back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Helps me grow the program, helps me do what I do, and helps uh, the, the powers that be uh, let them know that I'm doing a good job. So if you like the show, uh, give, it a, give it a thumbs up on the reviews and whatnot. That would be fantastic. Okay, uh, second half. Let us discuss kind of where this thing fell apart. And I I think it was pretty clear that it was falling apart pretty early, uh, though Denver did recover. So Denver only scores 48 points in the second half, or 38 points, excuse me. That's even worse. Uh, OKC, they only scored 46. So this wasn't a complete collapse. And this is what happened in the Golden State game, in my opinion, where even though Denver scored 29 points in the second half of the OKC or of the Golden State game, their defense held things together just enough that they could survive with a win. And the same was true in a game like tonight, where 
Denver, they score 19 points in the third quarter, 19 points in the fourth. Uh, initially, though, the starters completely fell apart. Uh, they gave up that 12-point lead almost immediately. Uh, and, and I really was disappointed in the way that Aaron Gordon performed. Uh, not necessarily playing to his strengths as a strong physical forward who can rebound the ball, who can get on the glass, uh, get on the interior, do a lot of good things on both ends of the floor. Uh, he was stuck in no man's land at the three-point line for a lot of this game. And when he does that, he has the potential at times to hit threes and kind of make up, make up the difference. Because let's be honest, if he hits one or two of those threes tonight, then this game never really gets close. Uh, or at least Denver, when they bring back in their starters, they, they don't necessarily have to feel all panicky about it. That you just have a pretty solid performance from your from your guys and you're fine. Uh, unfortunately, Gordon, with the starting lineup change that Denver has made with Jamichael Green in at power forward and Gordon in at the three, Jeff Green does a little bit more uh, mobile things when he's in at the at the power forward spot. He can play inside. He can play outside. He cuts really well. Jamichael Green's not really a cutter. He's more of a physical fight for position kind of rebounder who establishes early and then tries to take advantage of the space that's then created by others. Jeff Green can sometimes create space for himself with his movement, and that helps Aaron Gordon, where he can kind of cut behind them, uh, cut behind Green, or kind of riff off of what he does. And sometimes if Green moves out to the the perimeter, he'll still hit those shots. Uh, Jamichael Green attempted zero threes tonight, and I think that one of the reasons why Jokic has really struggled with his efficiency is because he's being faced with a pack, packed paint all the time. You can't do that if you don't have Jermichael Green on the floor. Uh, or if, if you have Jeff Green in place of Jermichael Green, I, I think it's harder to do that at least. It's not impossible, but you run the risk of letting guys get open and get hop from three if you are uh, OKC, if, if, you're, if you're letting guys on Denver get wide open for three. Like I thought that Barton started this game really well from three. Didn't really get a lot of clean shot attempts after that uh, because he was one of the only guys that they had to guard out to the perimeter. Jokic, same thing. Morris, same thing. Started well, didn't finish that well. So this is something I'm going to, I'm going to monitor. I'm definitely going to try to figure out over the course of this next a little stretch here, as as long as Jermichael Green is in the lineup. Uh, there are some good things that it does on the defensive end. And like I said, like the offensive rebounding, it, it for for OKC, like when they want to get on the offensive glass, Denver does a better job on the defensive glass of walling them off, preventing them from getting those rebounds when Jermichael Green is in there versus Jeff Green. Because Jermichael Green is, is the fifth option. It's pretty clear. He has a job, he has a responsibility, and he boxes out and does a good thing on the defensive glass. And that's really helpful. But the problem was that Denver's problems were offensive. And they were turning the ball over. Gordon, Barton, uh, Jokic had a couple uh, interesting turnovers. And they couldn't really make up for it on the defensive end because all those possessions were fast break points. So Denver had to really scramble after that. 
And Jokic did what he could to stem the tide. He made some really tough shots, but he also missed some tough shots, and that's why you score 38 points in the in the second half is because Jokic wasn't really that efficient. I think he was 4 of 11, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of the misses that he has are when he's trying to tip the ball to himself on offensive rebounds, tip the ball off the off the glass, off the, the rim, and try to recover. And sometimes he does recover, and it looks good. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, and that's really what, what drags down the, the field goal percentage as well. But overall, he had a good game and set up some teammates, grabbed a whole bunch of rebounds, and it was a was a beast in the in the middle of the floor for a lot of this game. And Denver was ultimately able to kind of stem the tide a little bit, but the problem is that when when you're just stemming the tide as the starting unit and you're not kind of heading that off at the pass, that means that the bench has to come in and they have a lot of pressure on them. And for a while, they dealt with it. Uh, Davon Reed came in for Bones. Uh, I thought that that was a, a good decision from Michael Malone because Bones was just not given good minutes. And that's just kind of how it is. If, if you don't play well and you consistently don't play well in a situation like this, then you can't necessarily be trusted. And the way that Austin Rivers was shooting, you don't want to take him out of the game. So Denver goes with uh, a different lineup of Faku, Rivers, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji in the second half. And they they are far worse in the second half than they are the first. Uh, a lot of that came down to the pressure on Faku in this situation. And there were some other guys that kind of made up for it. Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, they did some good things. But Faku did not handle the pressure well of being the only real ball handler. Uh, he turned the ball over multiple times in the fourth, trying to nutmeg a defender. Had eight assists, uh, which is great, fine, whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm happy that he did. And there were a couple to Jeff Green and a couple to Austin Rivers on the rotation that were very helpful. But he missed a wide open layup while grabbing an offensive rebound. He he was set forever. Uh, grabbed the offensive rebound, got to gather himself, shoot the ball off the glass, and it just rolled off the the edge of the the cylinder and those are those are misses that just kill you because Denver in any other situation other players are making their shots and you get a free two points out of it instead the thunder grab a grab that miss and i think they turn it into an open 3 on the other end that uh that i'm pretty sure it was Trey Mann who cashed I could be wrong about that, but it was somebody. Maybe it was Jeremiah Robinson or all. It could be, could have been him too. But uh, there was just enough from Faku just just doing a lot of stuff that I don't really like from him. Turning the ball over again on a flashy pass and transition when all Denver needs at that point when Jokic and, and company come back into the game was for him to get the ball to Jokic. And there were a lot of possessions in that fourth quarter where Denver struggled to get the ball to Jokic once again. They're rotating the ball around the perimeter with it's uh, Faku, Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, guys like that. And they are Austin Rivers, actually, instead of Jeff Green. And they just could not get the ball to Jokic for whatever reason. Like, he's posting up, just throw the ball in there, make a tar- make an actual pass. And Denver was working the ball around. Didn't give the ball to Jokic for several possessions, and 
OKC actually extended the lead heading into the final four minutes of the game. Now, before that, I will say Austin Rivers and Jeff Green in this stretch, they saved things for Denver's second unit. A big dunk from Jeff on a pocket pass from Faku, which there wasn't a lot of middle pick and roll run this game. Not really sure why or what the what the reason was for with uh with OKC dropping the way that they do. Uh you don't necessarily want to run a bunch of middle pick and roll against a drop defense. Though I don't know necessarily why, because Jeff Green has enough touch that he can shoot out from seven or eight feet as opposed to trying to dunk on everybody. Uh but either way, he had a pick six steal as well. Uh going the other way for an and one, though he missed the free throw. And then you had big threes and drives from from Austin Rivers, including really late in this game, where Denver, with the starters and Rivers out there, uh, Gordon to the four, Barton to the three, Rivers and uh, Monte out there, they're down five points at around the 420 mark. And they come back in a little bit later than normal. I wonder if that was more of a... um, like I, I wonder if there was a minute restriction on Monte Morris or not, if uh, or if uh, Michael Malone just wanted to get these guys some extra rest. But they come back in pretty late. They outscore the Thunder eleven to four down the stretch. Um, that despite was it eleven to four? Yeah, it was. Or no, it was eleven to two. Um, eleven to two down the stretch. Uh, with a Jokic tip in, a Rivers three, a Rivers driving contorting layup after the kickout, uh, where he caught the ball on the left corner, uh, drove middle, and hung for the up and under layup. It was very, very impressive. Uh, Jokic gets free throws, Barton gets free throws to isolate the game, and all that while, you had solid defense too. A lot of these possessions being guarded by Rivers, being guarded by Gordon, uh, who was on Shea for most of the night. Uh, Shea Gilchrist Alexander, 2 of 14 tonight in a game where last time against Denver, he was unguardable. Uh, nobody could really stop him, but it was also kind of, a, I think, an indication that Jokic, Gordon, and the rest of the Nuggets were taking this game against Shea a lot more seriously. And I thought the starters, for the most part, really accomplished that. Monte Morris was a plus 18 in 26 minutes, according to the box score. And all of the other starters were at least plus six. Bench nearly kind of let it go in that fourth quarter, despite the fact that it was the starters that kind of gave back the lead initially. But overall, a good win for the Nuggets, despite the fact that it was painful. Any road win is a good win. Any road win against a division opponent is even better because there are going to be times if if Denver's looking to compete for the division later this year, I don't think they will. I don't think that Utah's exactly going anywhere. But hypothetically, let's say Utah gets a run of COVID and they have to, like, they miss a bunch of games and lose a bunch of games that they probably should have won. Maybe the division becomes up in the air at some point later in the season. And if that's the case, you're going to want to win as many of these division games as possible. Now, Denver. Uh, they did lose their their head-to-head games to Utah, and there are only two more of those left. So we will see how they do. Uh, But either way, a good win for Denver, 99-95 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. For now, let's take another break. 
when we come back, we will talk about the the roster moves that I'm sure everybody's going to want to hear about. And I will share my opinions, uh, albeit briefly. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Final segment here. Uh, really quick, Memphis is about to win their ninth game in a row. Uh, they beat the, they're going to beat the Lakers. They're up by 26 in the fourth quarter. If they lose this game, then I'm going to throw a tantrum. Uh, but the Clippers win against the, the Hawks. Uh, what else matters? The T-Wolves win against the Houston Rockets. Uh, that's important for standings. Dallas wins against Chicago. They've won their sixth game in a row. And Golden State. They win against Cleveland, 96-82, in Clay Thompson's return. He played pretty well, dunked on somebody tonight. That was pretty cool to see. Uh, but either way, uh, oh, and Portland beat Sacramento in a game where none of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, or Norman Powell played. Uh, Anthony Simons goes for 31 points and outperforms De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hield, and Donovan Mitchell, almost combined. <laughs> That's uh, that's pretty funny. Um, okay, now the the real show begins. Denver has made a series of moves over the weekend that I think are pretty important. That I think are going to continue to set the table for what is to come, and that I think Nuggets fans should be really excited about. Let's talk about them here. Demarcus Cousins. It was rumored for a while. There were a lot of people out there that were pining for the Nuggets to try to bring in Cousins, a reunion with Michael Malone, playing the backup center spot. Uh, It looks like he is going to come to Denver, that there will be a 10-day hardship exception contract offered at some point. When that is signed, when that is deemed to be uh, signed, I'm not sure. We're going to have to see how that looks and, and when he's ultimately on the roster, what the team is going to look like. But what I said Uh, in a vacuum here. This is a good move for Denver. This is a center on the market who was productive, who was effective when he was on the Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't bring him back because they knew they were going to get back Brooke Lopez at some point, uh, from what I understand. And they're going to continue to operate in that capacity. Uh, what, am, what am I saying? Uh, the Bucks are they brought in Langston Galloway to fill in at, at one of the guard spots instead of uh, Demarcus Cousins at the center spot because that's they felt like that was a position that they needed more. But it wasn't because Cousins didn't play well. Cousins did play well, and he kind of held out for a little bit. I think there was some interest in wanting to be in Denver, and now he's here. And so should be interesting to see how Denver manages their front court rotation now. Uh, Jokic's minutes will not be touched, I don't think. Still think he plays about 34 to 35 minutes, but Cousins may take all of the remaining center minutes, and that's going to be interesting for Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji. And uh, it would have been interesting for Bull Bull, but he is no longer in Denver. Uh, Bull Bull traded to the Detroit Pistons for Rodney Magruder, a guard, a six foot four guard who's more of an off ball guy. Kind of a shooting guard, small forward type, uh, as well as a Brooklyn 2022 second rounder. I checked Tankathon today. 
that pick is expected to be about the 55th overall pick. Whether it is or not, I don't know. We will we will see what happens with the records as they as the standings kind of come into form, but that means that that Denver's going to have a, a late second that they can play around with this year. They have a first uh that they they have their own first in what is likely to be the early 20s and they have a second rounder that will likely be in the mid to late 50s. So we'll see what they do with it. We will see if that if that's something that they have if they they care about if they use for trades. We will just have to wait that out, but trading Bull Bull for Rodney Magruder is a good move in theory because Bull Bull was never going to crack the rotation in Denver. There was just never really a chance. Uh, he wasn't a player that they trusted. Uh, he didn't earn that. He didn't really get a, much of an opportunity to earn it, but in the opportunities that he did have, he failed them. A lot of what he like a lot of what the Nuggets wanted him to do was to be fundamental, was to screen and box out and rebound and move his feet and rotate and do the things that a functional backup player can do. What Bulbul's skill set is more geared towards is actually being like a first or second option on a team where he has the ball in his hands a lot, where he's given the opportunity to score, make some mistakes, but also make some fun plays that only he can make because there are very few people that are at his size that can do the things that he does. But this trade very much represents uh, Denver going the direction of stability, going the direction of finding a cheaper wing and taking a flyer on a guy that they think could be helpful while also saving $500,000. And hopefully, they get themselves an opportunity to use that flexibility to their advantage of the trade deadline. One more move. Denver adds Davon Reed to a two-way contract. They waived Peter Cornelly, uh, who was in health and safety protocols and has just not really played at all this season. Uh, Davon Reed has become helpful for Denver. He's become useful. And Denver is now kind of making good on that. They're adding him to the team on a two-way contract for the rest of the year. What that basically means is he will be a restricted free agent for Denver. So when at the end of the season, uh, unless Denver decides to convert him to a full-time deal uh, heading into the playoffs or something like that, he will likely be a restricted free agent for the Nuggets in the offseason, and they'll have an opportunity to uh, match whatever contract he has offered. So they have an opportunity to keep Davon Reed around. If he earns it, if he continues to play well, then maybe that's something that they look at. Maybe he's a cheap replacement on the wing, somebody who can stand in for P.J. Dozier even next year. We'll just have to wait that out and see. But for now, depth chart, the depth chart as it looks like now, uh, only two point guards that are healthy. Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo. I guess you could put Bones Highland on there as kind of an emergency third guard, emergency third point guard, but uh, Popeye Jones was pretty clear in that he he believes that Bones is more of a shooting guard, and asking him to be the point is a bad idea. 
at shooting guard, you've got Barton. And you've got Bones Highland behind him. Now you can put in Rodney Magruder behind him. Or you could put Rodney Magruder as the backup small forward behind Aaron Gordon. That position's being fought over by Austin Rivers, Davon Reed. Magruder could also kind of fit into that. Not sure where, not sure how much they're going to want to play him. But from what Mike Singer said earlier today, it sounds like the Nuggets have some, like they, they are they're fans of his game. They want to see him succeed. They believe that he can. I would prefer if they had had somebody that's like 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", but uh, you don't get to pick and choose in these cases a lot of the time. So if they get Rodney Magruder and he plays well, it doesn't matter that he's 6'4", as long as he plays well. Uh, as I said, Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed at small forward, then at power forward, Denver's kind of there going back and forth between Jermichael Green and Jeff Green. Right now, Jermichael's the starter, but I suspect that Jeff will ultimately be the starter, and then Jermichael Green will be the backup. And then at center, at this current moment, you have Nikola Jokic and Zeke Naji, but ultimately DeMarcus Cousins is waiting in the wings. So you might be able to move Zeke Naji to the four and play DeMarcus Cousins at the five. Uh, that would be I think their best configuration with Jeff Green in the starting unit, Zeke Naji as the backup four, DeMarcus Cousins playing the backup five, and then Jamichael Green sitting entirely. Now, is that going to happen? Is that where Denver decides to go? Do they want to play Jamichael Green at the backup power forward instead? Maybe. Maybe that's possible. Jamal Murray and Marcus Howard are probably going to be returning to the depth chart at some point this year. Jamal will probably be a starter. Marcus Howard probably won't play. Michael Porter, Vlako Chanchar, they may return. We don't know. We will see. Vlako is going to be reevaluated after 12 weeks for that foot break and that surgery. Michael Porter, we, we don't know. He is out indefinitely, and it's... Probably going to be a while before we see him again, I think. Uh, but P.J. Dozier won't return. We know that. So that is Denver's roster. They have uh, 12 guys that they currently – or maybe it's 13. Uh, but either way, uh, they have enough players now in Monte, Faku, Barton, Bones, Rodney Magruder, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, Aaron Gordon, Jamichael Green. Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic, Zeke Naji, and potentially DeMarcus Cousins. That's 13. They have 13 players that they can get through the rest of January with. That's their hope. And I think it's a pretty good hope that the Nuggets now, they take a gander at a backup center option. They see how DeMarcus Cousins plays with the rest of the team. What he looks like. Can he move? Can he do the things in Denver's defensive scheme that they need him to be able to do? I'm a little bit skeptical about that. I saw him play defense in Milwaukee. It wasn't great. He's far less mobile than Nikola Jokic is. And I think that's a pretty big deal. But maybe he gets away with it a little bit by being a great rebounder, by being somebody who hits some outside shots, and then posts up a little bit and does a little bit on the interior as a scorer. 
That would be great. Denver also added some low-level wings to their rotation. Think about where uh, they were last year, where they had to add Austin Rivers, but now they have Rivers, they have Rodney Magruder, they have Davon Reed. All three of those guys not necessarily going to play a ton behind Monte, Faku, Barton, Gordon, and Bones when he's when he's good. Uh, but they can give Denver some optionality, at least for now. And then Denver's still looking for good solutions for the playoffs. I don't think they're done. I think that these moves... They're emphasizing win-now moves, but they're they're the moves on the periphery. They're the moves before the move. And I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure what level of player they're looking to target, what they're willing to spend this season in order to acquire somebody that can really help them. I still think they need somebody in the 6'6 to 6'8 range. Still think they need somebody who's a little bit more of a shooter. A little bit let like could could also be helpful defensively. Don't get me wrong, but somebody who helps them on both ends of the floor, who can be on the floor and be helpful on both sides, not necessarily somebody like a Bones who more helps them offensively, or a Rodney Magruder who I suspect is going to be really helpful defensively, but may not be super great on the offensive end. I like that they're taking a chance on Cousins. They also would like to satisfy their backup five requirement. I do think that adding him to the rotation could help them get through the regular season a little bit better. They just need somebody who can help the bench continue to put up points. We'll see if he can help stop the points on the other end, but as long as he can help facilitate good offense, then maybe it's fine. And uh, it seems like the relationship here it's pretty important and that the approximation of Jokic is also going to be important. Denver doesn't have anybody that looks or plays like Jokic. When he sits, Cousins is actually a decent approximation. We'll wait and see. This is a tough situation for Cousins. I want to see if, I want to see him deliver. I want to see him play well. Uh, but like I said, looking forward to seeing the next month. Looking forward to seeing how Denver operates. They're 20 and 18. They figured some things out. As long as they continue to win the games that they're supposed to win, then they may be like 27 and 23, or hell, 28 and 24, something like that. Feeling pretty good when January is coming to a close. And then you start to really ask yourself is Jamal Murray close? Can Michael Porter play? Who can we get? on the trade deadline that can actually help out? And can we make a run? I think these moves are setting the table for them to ask that question and be honest with themselves in just a few weeks here. Looking forward to it. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. Nuggets get a good win. We will see if they can build upon it. I will be back tomorrow talking about these moves a little bit more in depth, what I think this is going to ultimately mean, maybe talking to somebody else about their opinion on DeMarcus Cousins too. We'll just have to see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.